In the name of the Father and Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We have finished last week, chapter 22. And as we study the life of David the prophet, it is important for us to see and to keep in mind how a child of God struggles through decisions. We see David the prophet at a period of his life, he was following God, he was praying, he was repenting. Sometime he will get weak, God will correct him, will remind him, he will repent, and then he falls and gets up again. And it seemed this was his whole life, is a life of him trusting in God, and when he falls, God kind of brings him back, and then he gets up again. Last time we saw something interesting in David's life. We saw that David, initially with his struggles with Saul, the first period of his life was Saul, he lifted all up to God. And every day he started seeing miracles. Later on, he started to use his own mind. And when he started his own mind, he decided to actually live in a foreign land. And when he started working and living in a foreign land, he started obviously being humiliated and drifting away from God. And last time, God sent him his prophet and told him, I want you to be in Judea. I want you to be in Israel, which does not make sense because his enemy is in Israel. But God told him, my will for you is to be there. So every time David the prophet is following this will of God, God does not remove Saul, but shows him miracles and protects him. God does not move the danger, but David is with God. And God protects him. So today, we're going to see another interesting uh, encounter between Saul and David. Just want to remind you guys one simple thing. When David repented last time, he came to Judea, and then about 400 men gathered around him. So no longer David is by himself. Now he has about 400 people with him. But let's see Kedah, what happened in chapter 23. said, then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Kyla, and they are robbing the threshing floors. So the threshing, the threshing floors, these were the time of harvest. So the Philistines came to steal the harvest from Kyla. So Kyla is part of the land of Israel. You see, the people ran away ran to David not to Saul maybe they knew that Saul wouldn't care as much about the problem as David and it seems already that a lot of people have looked at David as the next leader and this is one of the main reasons that God wanted him to be in Judea God is preparing him to become the next king so people knew that David is a reasonable person we can talk to. Saul is a bit crazy. And sometimes when we are walking with God, people, and we are obviously reasonable people, people become more open with us. Once we start getting angry and silencing people around us and forcing certain things around of us, people starting, start not feeling comfortable. And they don't share their concerns. And we live in a delusion, a bubble that we self-create. And that's what's happening with Saul. Look what David, now David lives by where, where in Judea, and he repented. Look what David did in, in verse 2. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Kilah. Look, David had no obligation to fight the Philistines. He's not the king yet. And as a matter of fact, David only has about 600 people. The Philistines is a huge army. And the people around him are people who, remember last time we said people who couldn't pay their debt, people who skipped society. Like all, think about all the complainers in the world, all the people who had so much debt, all the people that hate society together. They're following David today. And he's telling him, oh, let's go save our people. They're going to be like, dude, we don't care about the people. You're asking us to do something that 
we have suffered so much from the society that we don't really care for them. But David's first response, because he's walking with God, is to pray. And a lot of times, the greatest opportunities that comes in our life, they come when we are just simply walking with God. There's always, kid, I feel like there are two types of people. One person who wants to, to, to make it big. You ask them, what is it that you want to make big? I don't know, but I want to be big. I want to be famous. I want to be this. I want to be that. And anything that comes along the way, they just go for it. And a lot of times they become very distracted in life. And some people, they have a vision that I want to live a life of obedience to God. And whatever God uses me, whatever God brings in my life, even if it's the most craziest idea, I will pray and put it in his hand. I will pray and put it in his hand. And this is what David did. This is, sounds a crazy idea. He still prayed about it. God, what do you think? Don't ever underestimate any idea that comes into your life. Put it in the hands of God. And God told him, go fight. I also want to tell you guys something. It is not clear how David heard the response of God. Did he hear it from a prophet? Most likely, if you guys remember last time, when they Saul killed the city of the priest, there is one priest, Abithar, who ran away and went to David. And what this Abithar had, he had what we call the ephod. Remember, they said the ephod is almost like the, the sadra that Abuna wears, and it had two different stones in it. And every time he would pray and inquire from God, God, one of these stones will light. Yes, no answer kind of a thing. So it could be this. It could be a prophet from God. But see, what's interesting in the life of David the prophet, it is not mentioned in the scripture that God spoke to him directly like he spoke to Samuel. You know, like Samuel, he heard the vision at night where God told him, Samuel, Samuel, and he responded. Here it says, God answered him. How exactly? We're not sure. But most likely through the priest. But David men said to him, Look, we're afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Kaila against the armies of the Philistines? Obviously, David's warrior told him, Look, man, we're afraid. This is a big army. Saul is running after us. This is the most illogical decision he wants us to take. There's one, one idea I want you guys to keep in mind here. A lot of times when God asks us to do something crazy and we're so confident of his voice, so confident in his voice, usually the next step that comes is people doubting that voice. Because there is a difference between God asking us or God asking us to do certain things within our abilities the difference between God asking us to take a leap of faith beyond our abilities. There's a difference between me going into something with a clear vision, one, two, three, four, I know what the steps I'm doing. The difference between going in and I'm letting God lead the way, day by day. So in this case here, David was confident of God's voice, but he still received, received hindrance. What is he going to do? Look what he did in verse 4. Then David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Kilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. The Lord confirmed the first calling. He prayed, It's no problem when I feel hesitation or, or resistance that I pray again. David almost repeated what happened with Gideon in Judges 6 from 36 to 40. Also, again, Gideon asked God for multiple times, assurance. And David did not let the soldiers around him silence him. Not allow the negative voices to silence him. He put it again into the prayer. The Lord will bring victory regardless of the human conditions. 
You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, one of the most greatest feelings you will have in your life when you feel I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do. I remember a while ago when we took a group to serve in Africa, one of, one of the girls told me, I'm so happy, not because I'm serving, but I feel this is exactly what God wants me to do today. And that's important. If I wake up every morning and ask myself, is this what God wants me to do, to do today? And the answer is no. Too many days in a row, then there's a problem. It's something I have to consider. Look at verse 5, which I love so much. It's a very subtle thing in this verse. And David and his men went to Kila and fought with the Philistines, and struck them with a mighty blow, and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Kila. You know, it's, 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 as I was reading this, I was amazed that his, there was no division among the men of David. They all went, fought, drove, stroke. It's actually, in Hebrew, it's all in a singular voice, as they were one hand. You have a group of complainers, a group of outcasts from society. They are under David. They're making the most illogical decision, and they're going united. This, is, this in itself is a miracle. And this is what happens when I am not being led for my own glory, but the glory of God. And here it says what, and they took their livestock. Most likely the harvest time was a time obviously where a lot of, a lot of wheat, a lot of grains would fall on the ground. So it seems like the Philistines also brought their, their, their cows and, and sheep and stuff to eat the leftover food. So David took the livestock. It was beneficial for him. Now it happened when Abithar, you guys remember Abithar, the one I was talking about? The son of Ahimelech, the priest, fled to David at Kaila that he went down with an effort in his hand. Remember last time I was telling you that the priesthood left Saul and went to David. Saul keeps, keeps losing without realizing. Keeps losing without realizing. And Saul was told so David had a victory. Now let's see what happened with Saul. And Saul was told that David had gone to Kaila. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Saul is seeking after David. The news came, hey, David is in Kaila. You see what Saul said? God has delivered him into my hand. Look, be careful how we measure God's success. Because somebody can look from outside and be like, Saul is a king. And he has lots of people. And David, he's a loser. He's walking with outcast. But who's, who is truly God with? David. Saul uses the name of God for things that has to do with his own ego and own glory. Instead of regretting, not fighting for the sake of the people of God, he's running after David. God does not bless human pride. God does not bless human pride. Like for example, sometimes you see a situation happen with, to somebody and they're so angry. This happens, yeah, not so often, but rare. Play somebody would write a prayer on the, on the altar asking God to take vengeance. God does not bless human pride. Also, one thing we want to learn from the life of Saul. Saul left the real enemy, which is the Philistines, and focused on David. And all of us have a David in our life that distracts us. Somebody I'm envy from, jealous from, 
somebody I have a crush on, somebody that I want to compete with. A lot of distraction that instead of focusing on what God wants me to do, I am focusing on the distraction, not the real enemy. I'm fighting with my spouse instead of fighting with the devil. How do I defeat the devil? By prayer and fasting, not by yelling and screaming and trying to, you know, control the bank account and all this stuff. No. It's actually by prayer and fasting. Now, Saul was excited. He said, this is great. God loves me so much. He put him in the city that has bars and gates. So he's almost like, he repeated almost what Sanharib uh, repeated when he besieged Jerusalem. He said, it's like a bird in a cage. Then Saul called all the people together for war. Go down to Kaila to besiege David and his men. You know, Saul's army is almost 200,000 people. Saul gathered 200,000 200, people for how many? 600. This is a type of overreaction that people would have when they are running after a distractive goal. He did not call people to fight the Philistines. He came to fight for himself. When David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abithar the priest, bring the aphids here. Now we see David doing so well. Whenever he prays, makes decisions, all his decisions are wise. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Kila to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Kila deliver me into his hands? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord of Israel, I pray, tell your servants, and the Lord said he will come down. Look, David remembers what Saul did to the city of priests. He killed all the city. So he said, I am worried for the city of Kaila. If Saul can come, he can destroy the whole city. But he asked God two questions. Is Saul coming? And will the people of the city deliver me? And God told him, yes, yes. He will come and he will, they will deliver you. Obviously, the people of Kaila Held, held, heard about what happens to the priest and they will gladly give up David even though David obviously did them a great favor and he saved them from the, from the Philistines but what David saved them from causes them a greater problem with Saul because the Philistines came after the harvest now their whole life will be in jeopardy so they're easily willing to give up David there's one, one part I, wanna, I want to emphasize. Look, David the prophet went to this war because God told him go to this war. He did not complain and tell him, God, you told me to go to this war. Why is Saul coming after me? I want you to keep this in mind. When I am doing what God wants me to do, all complaining will disappear from my heart because I know that I'm pleasing to him. When I'm complaining too much, it's not because I don't understand God, it's not because there's hardship, it's not because of their troubles, it's because I am not acting according to the heart of God. God gives peace and joy to those who follow him even in the midst of difficulties. Then David said, Will the men of Kila deliver me and my men into the hands of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. Obviously, from the standpoint of David, now he has done them a great favor. But David will not rebuke them will not rebuke them. You might ask, why, why does God allow David to go through such a trouble? Because in our life, God wants to have with us a constant conversation. The troubles and difficulties that we go in and that happens in our life make us 
so dependent on God. It helps us to dig deep into our own soul. It makes David constantly ask God for direction. The troubles in my life are the topics of my conversation with God. God allows them so I could constantly go to him. I will praise him. I will ask for his guidance. I will do his work. All of that in the action that God puts in my life. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Kailah and went to wherever they could go. This, then it was told Saul that David had escaped from Kailah, so he halted the expedition. Saul and his men started wandering, trusting the divine guidance for each step without knowing where they were going. After they left, they had no plan where they were going. God didn't even tell him where should he go. He started leaving. Obviously, the spies went to Saul and told him, David left. Saul is moving with 200 soldiers. That's a whole, a whole army. So he said, you know what? I'm not going to move anywhere. I'm going to say what I am. Now David is going to follow the command of Gad, Gad the prophet. He told him, stay where? In Judea. Stay, stay where your family is. So David will be in this area. Look what happens. And David stayed in a stronghold in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Zeth. Saul sought every day, sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. God protected David from his death, but did not make his life easy. Did not make his life easy. Think about people living in the wilderness. Where they sleep in tents. When they get sick, they might not have doctors. Some days they might not have enough food. 600 men. It's not easy. His life is not easy. God let him live in the wilderness, a difficult life, to train him. Train him. If you want an easy life, you're rejecting the training of God. God develops his people. Develops his people. So David saw that Saul came out to seek his life. And David was in the, in, in the wilderness of Zeph in the forest. So David, during all this time, he never asked God, when I will be a king, should I, Google, should I go kill Saul? None of this stuff. He's just living in the wilderness with so much submission. Look what happened when, when you walk with God. Also, God will send you some, some things to comfort you in the middle. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and the strength and strength his hands in God. He's living in the wilderness, so Jonathan comes and encourages him by God. Encouraging, encouraging by somebody like Jonathan, it's important. Because Jonathan telling him, look, God is with you. I know you live a difficult life. God is not going to leave you. I know the journey is not easy. Your service, your, your service is, is very valuable. The the life of a Christian should be a life of encouraging others. Life of lifting others. So Jonathan comes and encourages his friend in one of his most difficult points. And by the way, this is the last time recorded a meeting between Jonathan and David. The next time, there's a report of Jonathan's death uh, in Second Samuel. But at this point, God sends him somebody to lift him up. David feels he's following the commandments, but he's being destroyed every day. He's running after, he's running on, he's on the run every day. His life is difficult. God will send him somebody to comfort him. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hands of Saul, my father, shall not find you. 
He shall be a king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Jonathan reminds him of God's bigger plan for him. You're living a difficult life, but you know that God wants you to be a king. You're stressed in school, but God is preparing you to become a medical doctor. He's encouraging him with God's biggest plan for him. There's one thing I want to yani just st stop for a second and explain. Jonathan told him, and I shall be next to you. By the way, this did not happen. Jonathan died before this could happen. Jonathan died before David became a king. But this expresses couple of ideas. Number one, this shows Jonathan's willingness to serve as a royal, loyal command, commander to David. And it means that Jonathan has accepted God's plan for him. Jonathan knew he's not going to be a king, even though in a, in a social, in social setting, he is worthy of the throne, because he is the son of Saul. But he knew this is not what God wants for him. But he accepted and was happy just simply being second in command. How many people can be like Jonathan? Who constantly reveals his heart to David, I am willing to be after you. Also, Jonathan is not a prophet. He's mentioning his feelings, his own God feeling. Part of what he reveals to David is a prophecy that was known to David by Samuel the prophet and it started becoming now known among the people that David will become the king and part of it is his own heart. And also this shows importantly that the writer of the scripture they're not trying to they were writing by the Holy Spirit because the writer who wrote this, who knows that Jonathan is going to die and he's not going to be next to David. But they recorded the conversation accurately. Recorded the conversation accurately. So Jonathan is expressing his feeling. He used part of the prophecy that God gave to David and he used his own intention to tell him, I will be next to you. And in all of this, Jonathan remains very respectful to his father, regardless of his father's own action. Since Evram the Syrian said something beautiful about David in this condition, he said, while David was persecuted explicitly, Christ is often persecuted secretly through impiety and heresy. We see here that David... David is a prefigure of Christ. And Saul represents humanity that is constantly rejecting the kingdom of God over its heart. And yes, David was rejected in front of everybody, but Christ is rejected constantly through our practice, through our life. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his house. Every time David and Jonathan meet, they make a covenant. Better, it's they are renewing their covenant. One of the things that his grace bishop used to say that was beautiful, he said, consider your spiritual canon as vow to God, a covenant to God. That's why he was in the prayer, David the prophet said, tomorrow you will hear me. In his psalm, he says, tomorrow I will stand before you. He's making a commitment to God. When I am planning my spiritual canon, tell God, I want to make a covenant with you. That I will talk to you every day. Tomorrow you will hear my voice. And every day I renew the covenant. Every time I see him, I will renew the covenant with him. It's the same thing like when people are married, every once in a while, they go on 
nice vacations, nice dates, to renew their love for each other. Then the Zavites came to Saul at Gaba, saying, Is David not hiding with us in a stronghold in the woods, in the hill of Hishalia, which is the south of uh, Jeshimon? So the, the Zavites, they are people of Judah. They came to Saul and told him, David is hiding with us. This is David's own people betraying him. You see, God gave David some encouragement by sending Jonathan, but that does not mean troubles are over. This is, by the way, this is exactly how our life goes. You walk with God, he will give you some encouragement in the middle. The overall journey you're in doesn't change. Doesn't change. And by the way, if you look at uh, Psalm 54, 3, the, when David was referring to the insolent and ruthless ones, he was referring to actually the Zephites, who went to David to sell him. They went to Saul to sell him to him. His own people are selling him. This is the same place that God told him, I want you to be in. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. The phrase, according to your desire, means whatever you wish, whenever you wish to come down. People understood Saul's weakness. People knew that Saul is angry with David, and he wants to get back at him. So they used this to what? To their advantage. By the way, this is also common in our life. When people know, for example, that there's somebody I don't like, or somebody in my life that I'm jealous of, any person who doesn't like this person will come and tell me their grievance about that person. That's why it's very wise for me not to reveal these weaknesses to people. Because it could, it could, be, it could be a reason to make other people stumble. And also it could be a reason to expose a weakness of the devil to come and dwell in my heart and the heart of people around me. It will be a reason for the devil to come and actually find my weak point. Again, I want you as to, you see at this, you might say, well, God is helping Saul. God is not helping Saul. God is using Saul to train David. And Saul said, blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Saul told the people, you are blessed from God because you, you're, you're so kind to me. This, this, by the way, used to be a common way of a king addressing his subject, basically. But this is a fake blessing and a fake compassion. There's nothing compassionate about what they're doing here. And that's a lot of times when people use fancy, nice words to describe evil things. Nobody uses evil words to describe, I don't want to say nobody, but most people, when they do evil, they use nice words to describe evil. Love, kindness, compassion, to describe what? Sometimes to describe very bad sexual behavior. Very bad selfish acts. Murder sometimes. That's what people do. He says, please go and find out for sure and see the place where his, hide was, where his hideout is and who has seen him there, for I am told he is very crafty. You almost feel like Herod the king talking when he told the wise men, go and find him exactly. For I am told he is very crafty. You see, this is what happens with people like Saul. People who intimidate people around them and scare them, and people know that they're unpredictable, they silence all the good voices in their life. When we continue to shut down every voice and every pure voice in our heart that calls us, eventually we create our own bubble that does not help us to see the truth anymore. 
So there, see therefore and take knowledge of all the rookling places where he hides and come back to me with certainty and I will go with you. And it shall be if he is in the land that I will search for him throughout all the claims of Judah. So they arose and went to Zaph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan in the plain in the south, in the south of Jeshimon. So this David and his men are in the wilderness of Judah and they're walking around. This is, by the way, we're going to study the story in chapter 25. This is where the farms of Nabal was and, and we'll talk about this when it comes. And Abigail. And when Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David, therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Moan. So basically, the spies of Saul are everywhere. It's Judah. If you guys ever go to Jerusalem, by the way, and Judah and all this, it's not a big area. They're all very small. Bethlehem is almost two streets. It's two blocks. That's all Bethlehem. Jerusalem, you can walk the whole city almost. Yani, walk. It's, not, it's not a big place. So David can easily, Saul can easily find him. So God is telling him, stay where Saul can find you. And God exactly wanted that because we will see the constant miracles in the life of David when he's doing exactly what God wants him to do. Look what happened. Verse 26. Then Saul went on with the side of the mountain and David on his men on the other side. So one mountain in the middle, one here, one here. And David made haste to get away from Saul for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. So each one is on the side of the mountain. David is trying to run away. But the men of Saul are such a bigger amount. They're going to encircle them and kill them. David has no place to run. He's obedient to God. He's following everything. It is in a, his moment where he's trapped. Life, his life could be gone in a moment. Many of us, by the way, might have not faced a situation like this where the problem that I'm facing is much bigger than me. Sometimes you might, people, for example, somebody gets the news that they have terminal illness. They might feel there's nothing in their hand they can do. When somebody, for example, gets into extreme financial difficulties, that they don't know how to get out. He's in a place where his life and his men could be gone in no time. And you might ask God, why did you allow him to do this? And God will answer right away. Verse 27. But a messenger came to Saul saying, Harry and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. This is an unexpected event. The Saul took all his army to run after, after uh, David. Then all of a sudden, the Philistines came. And people told him, come quickly. Philistines invaded the land. Obviously, this is, this is such an unbelievably unexpected thing to happen. Saul had a very strong army at that time. And the Philistines would usually attack only the borders. But to come to invade Jerusalem, it's not easy. God made a way for David when there is no way. It's almost God comes. Come, David, I'm going to train you. And I'm going to bring you so, so close to death. Do you still believe? Do you still trust? Can you trust? Can you believe? One time earlier, if you guys remember, Saul, uh, David hid with Samuel. Same city. And then Saul kept sending his soldiers and both of them were singing. They all fell in a spiritual mood and God made Saul pray. Another time, God sent him a messenger, told him, run, the Philistines are coming. Therefore, Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines. So they called the place the Rock of Escape. You see, this is what God wants us to do. God wants to have a memory of how he works in our life 
almost all the time. So I could always remember his hands in my life. When I look at, you know, when you go, when you go talk to people who are elderly, a lot of times what they talk about is what God did in their life. Like, uh, I've heard it so many times, people tell me, Abuna, God did so much miracles, so much miracles, so much miracles. If I tell you, you'll be here all day long. They don't tell me about their vacations, their cars, their jobs, you know, the, the person they had a crush on. They talk about the miracles of God. David, my friends, was probably afraid. Maybe he doubted that I will die today. But he knew one thing, that he was obeying the commandments of God. And that's what kept him going. Then David went up from there and dwelled in a strong strongholds at En Gedj, or Abin Gedj, which is it's basically referring to a spring of young goats. And David stayed in the same area that the prophet told him to stay in. Did not run away, stayed, even though his death came so, so close. He did not revenge from people who snitched on him. He did not go revenge from the city, from the Zephites, from all these people. He remained where he is. And this, by the way, is common in the life of David. When he's walking with God, he's not revengeable. Because he sees everything working for good for those who love him. People that are difficult in our life are there to change us. Change us. And if we see it this way, it will make a big difference. Now, chapter 24 is actually a wonderful chapter because another miracle will happen, but the image will flip. That Saul will be in the hands of David, but David will not kill him. We'll see what happens. We'll start it today and finish it next time. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told to him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedj. Obviously, it seems like the war of the Philistines was a joke. It was a big distraction. God told, told him, run after the Philistines. He went. A few minutes later, no, no, no problem. It's done. David is here. Come back, pursue him. You feel like God is moving nations for David. God is moving nations for David. Like the Bible said, Elijah was a man like us, and he prayed and God made it rain. God can move the whole universe for one person. We are his children. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel. That means three warriors. And went to seek David and his men on the rock of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where, he, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recess of the cave. So Saul took with him 3,000 people to run after David. In the way, they found the cave. So as a king, he wanted to take care of his personal need. Shower, change, whatever he wants to do. Deep inside the cave, David and his men were hiding. Obviously, when the king goes to do his personal things, no guards, nobody goes inside with him. They're all standing outside. This is the most unexpected thing to happen. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off the corner of Saul's robe. His men told him, this is your chance. This is the guy that's making you miserable. Go and kill him. And by the way, David's men used the word of God. Told him, didn't God promise you that he will destroy your enemy? 
This is your chance. This is your enemy. He's right there in the cave by himself. What else would do? Oh, such a perfect opportunity. David did something interesting. He came and cut off parts of the rope of Saul. By the way, cut part of the rope of Saul that would consider to be an identity card. A king clothes were very unique. So when you take, pick, take part of his clothes, it means you're speaking on behalf of the king. Or sometime had a legal meaning or sometime it's a sign of rebellion against the king. It depends on how the cutting happened. If the king voluntarily cut it and gave it, it's a, a legal authorization. Somebody cut it himself, it is a rebellion against him. For St. Gregory of Nessa says, David exercised his authority to kill against his own anger rather than against his persecutor. Instead of David killing Saul, he cut a small part of his rope. And it happened afterwards that David's heart troubled him. Why? Because he cut Saul's rope. When you read this, you'll be like, yes, Elam. Like this guy is trying to kill you trying to destroy you, and then you cut part of his rope and you're very sad? Remember I was telling you, cutting part of the rope was a symbol of disloyalty and rebellion in this time. David felt sad that he had to act this way against his own enemy. In the Old Testament, God has not given them the commandments to love their enemy. But those who walk with God were able to live a life of the New Testament in the times of the Old Testament. And for us today, if we continue to live with God, we will be able to live the life of heaven on earth. And he said to his men, Lord, forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Saul said, he is my master. Saul talks about his enemy. He says, this is my master. He is the anointed of the Lord. Saul was anointed by God. And by the way, this is a, 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 this is a commandment. It says, the anointed of the Lord should not be killed or even cursed. The anointed of the Lord should not be killed or even cursed. So David said, I cannot disobey the commandment of God. That's number one. Number two, I cannot do anything against my master. Against my master. So David restrained his serv servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. This verse is very important. If David was trying to play a political game, he could have said, you know what? Maybe one of you guys should kill him. And then I would just, I would just tell the people that one of my men killed him. They didn't know who he was and they killed him. He could have came up with some random excuse. And people would be so happy that Saul died because most of them did not like him. But David, the words he used for his men were true. This is how he felt about Saul. David did not allow himself to disobey the commandments of God. You see, sometime when you walk in the journey of God, you start almost pushing yourself to fulfill the commandments, pushing yourself to fulfill the commandments, pushing yourself to fulfill the commandments, until the sin continues to become easy and easy and it presents itself in such a way that you never expect it. Like before, to cheat, I had to call somebody and I had to text them and I couldn't find anybody to cheat from. Today, people beg me to cheat. Before, I used to run after girls and now, it presents its opportunity. David here, is being tested. The greatest test of obedience to David was at this moment. David did not want to use any human understanding, any human reasonable, reasoning, reasoning. 
wouldn't even believe that David thought this way. Saul obviously left, did not realize that David saved him. Saul slept all night in this cave. And God, this is such, God allowed David to go through a test of faith that's such beyond imagination. His enemy is in front of him for hours. And he has so many men convincing him to kill him. Nothing. Nothing. And that's one of our biggest challenges when we walk with God. There's a period of faith where God says, you obey me, I saved you. When the sin comes so close, can you say no? Can you say no? I'll tell you a story and we'll conclude uh, next time. One of, one of the girls, actually, I asked her for permission to share the story. She told me, Abuna, as the semester started, I did not want to, I took a promise, get out of God, I did not want to cheat. And she told me, my lab partner came and told me, ask her if they can do the homework together. The, sorry, the quiz together for the lab. And she told her, look, I'm not going to do it today. I told her this so she can do it on her own. And then she told me, Abuna, you wouldn't believe it. She did the quiz and she sent me the questions. I never asked for the questions. And show me when I received the message, I deleted the message before I read anything. When the devil sees you trying to get yourself out of a sin, he will simply make it easy for you. Obviously, the devil tempts by evil. God does not tempt by evil. Like God put David in this situation, not a temptation of evil. It's more for him to follow the commandments of God. Okay? So next time, Keda will see a beautiful speech that David gave to Saul with extreme humility that Keda moves the heart. Next next week, God willing, continue. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Let's get a stand up for prayer and lose your lose your